Hi and welcome to You Little Ripper. I'm Kurt Fernley, Paralympian, broadcasting from a Wabakal country. And on today's show, we're all swiping right or is it left? <laughs> Whatever yes is for Rowan Crothers. And who will get Annabelle Williams fangirling? Yes, that's me and I'm a proud fangirl. But you'll have to keep listening to see who it is. I'm also a Paralympian and I'm broadcasting today from Gadigal country. We need to throw it straight to you. What's your what's your you little ripper moment? Now that this is the moment over the past few weeks in Paralympic sport that made you yell, you little ripper! <laughs> <laughs> well, there have been so many. I, I think the most recent one, and I am very biased being a swimmer myself, but we are about to send the largest para swimming component of any Commonwealth Games swim team in the history of the Commonwealth Games. We're hoping to send 30 Paralympic swim team members, which is just incredible. And I think the Commonwealth Games are lucky to have them. Commonwealth Games viewers are lucky to see these extraordinary athletes perform. So that's my you little river moment. They really are. But the Paralympic element of the Commonwealth Games brings something so unique and it really is a defining feature of the Commonwealth Games. Um, so it, I cannot, I cannot wait to see our team progress through there. Um, my new little ripper moment, the Australia yes. Para Rowers. They have delivered two gold medals and it's really hard to back up and, and to compete in that year after a Paralympic Games. It's hard on the body. You've also got a little bit of, uh, you've got new competition out there that are appearing. Um, but we got two gold medals in Belgrade in Serbia. Eric Horry won the gold in the PR1 men's single skulls, while four-time Paralympian Kat Ross partnered with Tokyo representative Simon Albury to win gold in the PR2 mixed double skulls. That's a, that's a well and truly worthy moment of you, Little Ripper. And now the best of the rest, the best of the other Paralympic performances from the last few weeks. Mine is Aussie Heath Davidson, who made his debut at Roland Garros in Paris, making it through to the singles semifinals and the doubles finals. An extraordinary performance from Heath. It's so great to see Heath out there. Follow it up. Dylan Alcott's dominance in that competition. Um, my best of the rest is the Aussie Steelers. They uh, they missed the Canada Cup semifinals, finishing in fifth overall. They were disappointed with the result, but it will turn their focus to the Rugby World Championships in October. They are one of our favourites here at You Little Ripper, friends of the pod, and I'm sure that they will be back soon and they will be bigger and better than ever. Now, this is the favourite favorite part of you little ripper this is where we get to speak to the athletes on the ground annabelle williams who are we speaking to today this is the part where i become a huge fan i get sort of <laughs> you know fandom like overcome uh, comes over me uh we get to speak to the extraordinary rowan crubbers he's a paralympic swimmer on the swim team he won two gold medals in Tokyo. I have had the pleasure of watching Rowan grow up from a young kid and debut on the swim team. He is not only an extraordinary swimmer, he's a much-loved member of the swim team and a real leader on that team. Rowan Crothers, welcome to You Little Ripper. G'day, how are we? Very well, thank you. It's great to have you on the show. And you're joining us from Portugal where you are in the lead up to the World Championships. My first question, how many Portuguese tarts have you had? <laughs> I've only had two. 
So that's not too bad. I know a lot of the coaches have had maybe three or four per day. Um, They are absolutely delicious. I thought, yeah, you know, they'll be pretty nice, but probably about as good as the ones back home. No, you can't beat them over here. Like when they come out and they're (laughs) fresh and they're just nice and warm, the pastry just crumbles and falls apart. I really sound like a professional athlete right now, don't I? Just talking about (laughs) Portuguese darts. but They're so nice. You've only had two, yeah. which makes you sound like very, very elite. <laughs> well, they are delicious, and I've had to, you know, exercise some self-control. Just I'll keep it to two, maybe more Good. after comp. Post-competition. Okay, so talk to us. So you've, you've headed over. You've got the World Championships starting shortly. You're, you're competing in the 50-metre freestyle and 100-metre freestyle. It's been a massive 12 months for you. How are you feeling post-Tokyo and leading into the World Champs? Um, honestly, I, I'm feeling confident. But at the same time, uh, not like there's a lot of pressure on my back. Really, I'm just going to get up and do exactly what I was trying to do leading into Tokyo last year, which is to just do my best. And if that means I touch the wall in first or fifth or eighth or whatever else, uh, it doesn't really matter too much for me because as long as I do the best that I can, I'll be happy. And, you know, I can finish the wall with a finish at the wall, big smile on my face and say, yeah, you know, I put in 100%. Matt, has that been a like an intentional effort to head down that path? Because it can get consuming uh, the year after you get where well, you've got a couple of gold medals for the for the Australian Paralympic team in Tokyo. Can it, it can be consuming to try and get there again? Have you intentionally taken that mindset? Well, it's taken many many years of work with sports psychologists to actually get to the point where I am focusing purely on my own performance and my own ability. One of the things that can be kind of rough with Paralympic sport is this classification process where you sit in front of a panel every couple of years with some medical and some sport experts that measure your disability and try to place you in one or one particular category. So a few years ago, when I was in the S9 swimming category, I was ranked first in the world. And then all of a sudden my category changed and I moved from S9 to S10. And back when I was in S9, I placed so much of my self-worth on my the fact that I was first, the fact that I was the best in the world. And then moving up, sure, I went from rank one of the world to rank eight, which is still bloody good, but that just destroyed me mentally. And I feel like in some ways, although that was a really difficult time back then, it's kind of prepared me now to say, it doesn't really matter to me whether I'm ranked first or ranked eighth. It's cooler to be ranked first for sure. But as long as I'm just trying to do the best that I can, it's so much more important that I can finish the wall and be proud of the effort that I've put in than something that is as superficial as a medal, a placement, a record, any of that kind of stuff. It's really just about trying to do the best I can and then no matter what happens, I'll be happy. That's amazing, Rowan, that you've done that work. That's really, because that is, that's a really, that's a significant challenge that athletes in the Paralympic system have to go through that, you know, able-bodied counterparts don't. Have you found, so that's not only translated into your racing, but have you seen that that's translated into, I guess, um, other aspects of your life? Or do you feel like, I know more recently you've taken on a really significant leadership role. People really look up to you on the swim team. And you're, you are somewhat of a leader and instilling a, a strong culture. Is that the kind of, um, I guess, messaging or, or tone that the whole team takes? It seems like there's a real sense of unity amongst the team. 
And I guess what kind of messaging do you relay to younger swimmers as they're coming up? I know there's some real, really young ones on the team who admire you, like Alex Safi, who's only 16 years of age. What sorts of things do you relay to him about, you know, the pressure involved with competing for Australia? I think it's a lot of the very similar stuff in terms of focusing on your own performance, your own ability, not how much better someone else is than you or, oh my God, someone's moved into my category and they're going to be so fast now because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what old Joey Salads or whatever is doing in a couple lanes over because they're not going to stop you from swimming as fast as you can do. Like nothing that anyone else does in an eight lane, 100 meter butterfly or 100 meter freestyle is going to stop you, the athlete individually from doing the best that you can. And I think that one of the big things that I've kind of learned over my career, but also recently in terms of putting it into words, sometimes it's not just about trying to be the best in the world or to be the best that you can be, but it's just trying to be better because I feel like sometimes if you always say that you want to be the best that you can be, it's like there's a limit where if you put in everything, then it's like, all right, I did the best that I can, and that's that. And for me, something that some of the coaches on the team still heckle me about is after my 50 freestyle win in Tokyo last year, like I gave my coach Kate a big hug and everything, and then the first thing that I said to her were, what were my stroke rates? How was my race? How can I be better? And these coaches are like, Rowan, what the bloody hell were you on about? You just want a gold medal. Why don't you live in the moment and celebrate it? But to me, it's like, I just want to be better. You know, I want to, I want to kind of chase that and become the best that I can be. But the only way I can become that is to keep on chasing something that's greater, chasing those higher and better quality performances. So it's kind of just always taking more of a introspective look on what you're doing yourself and how you can push that to another level. I think that really speaks to us because as a, as an athlete, I wasn't externally validated at all. It was all about internal validation that I would set the, the benchmark out there and I would chase down and I would get to choose what success or failure looked like at that point in time. Um, I say that. But there was also one sort of validation that I loved, and that was the validation of my athletes who, you know, the guys that would come and I loved doing it in return, you know, like going to that start line and supporting my fellow Paralympian on their journey. Who are you looking forward to seeing compete at this year's World Championships that were about to take place? It's an amazing looking team. You've got so much depth. Which sideline are you excited about standing on? Now, Annie said his name before, but honestly, little Alex Safi, the rookie, I'm so excited and so keen to watch him get up and race. He's made some absolutely massive gains in his own ability and his performance in the pool over the past 12, 24 months. And he's so young as well. The thing that's really exciting as well is that generally with the Paralympic swimming cycles, the post-Paralympic year, so the world champs after a Paralympics, is by far the hardest year to qualify for. So in 2013, after the London Games, there was only one rookie on the swim team, and that was me, which is pretty cool. And over my past eight, nine years being on the team, getting to this point now, I've achieved all of my great achievements. But to see Alex being the only rookie making it on this year after Tokyo, which is by far the highest standard Paralympics in swimming we've had to date, I think it's really, really exciting, not just to see how he goes 
in this meet in his first big international one but going onwards over the next few years into paris into la maybe even into brisbane just to watch not just how he goes now but how he can grow and how he can develop and become the incredible athlete that i'm sure that he's capable of becoming yeah it is actually you know um it's true in a sport like swimming isn't it um rowan that when you're a teenager you make significant gains you know from one swim to the next you can take massive amounts of time off your personal best and so you can you know you can improve significantly in a short period of time and it's i've always observed that a year after a paralympics there are athletes you know at the world championships there are athletes from around the world who are having time off and so it's often an opportunity for younger athletes with less experience to have breakthrough breakthrough performances and the confidence that they gain from those kinds of experiences go on you know to help them in the in the you know years leading into the next games I guess was that the experience for you when you were a rookie and looking forward to Paris you know I guess how how is your preparation and we're hoping you will go to Paris how is your preparation (laughs) going to differ if if at all you know what's your preparation into Paris looking like well, I don't want to count chickens before they hatch personally, but I'm planning on going to Brizzy 2032. Like if I can make it that far oh, and be yes. a bit like Matt Levy with a 20 year swimming <laughs> career, then we'll see We'll see how we go. Um, but really, I think that back in 2013, when I was a rookie, um, I was nowhere near as mature as I am now. And I think that there's things that until you've really had those introspective kind of moments. And honestly, the big challenges and the big kind of failures that make you look back at yourself and look back at what you're doing and realize, wow, maybe I could have done this thing better or this thing here better or just improve in these different areas. Uh, It's those kinds of really big failures in a way that have actually made me into the athlete that I am now and have given me this like incredible program now where I know that I can very easily accommodate and adjust everything I'm doing around no matter what goes on, whether the warm-up pool at competition is broken and none of the athletes can warm up properly. I've got strategies and things in place to deal with that. It's also things in that training environment back home where um, one of my funny little stories leading into Tokyo last year um i was absolutely devastated when initially i missed out on qualifying for the team uh in my two events my 50 and my 100 freestyle i missed out in the 50 by 0.03 and in the 100 by 0.08 which is just nothing in swimming at all you know it's like a, a quarter of the time it takes to blink and i spent a few days thinking okay well i know i did everything i could but then i kind of realized hang on I put everything into the training sessions when I was there, but it was the stuff externally to something. It's things like, you know, sure, I'm there on the pool deck at 5 a.m. on a Monday morning, but I may have gone out for a Tinder date on Sunday night right before or something like that. You know, like um, I'm young and I'm single and all that, but it's still just realizing that, hey, there's these other things where am I really putting 100% into what I'm trying to do in the pool and realizing that, I had that second opportunity when I was allowed onto the team where I could say, wow, okay, I've picked up on all these things I could be doing better, like going out on list dates. Um, So why not just chase that and take that as an opportunity to then say, all right, I know exactly what I need to do. Now I'm just going to put it into action. And in some ways for me, I feel like if that didn't happen and I actually just qualified for the team straight up 
leading into Tokyo, then I wouldn't have stepped up my training so much and I wouldn't have had the results that I did have. Rowan, uh, we're always swiping here uh, whenever we see your pick come up at you, Little Ripper. Swipe right, swipe often, swipe whenever you see Rowan Crubbers. It's left. Uh, it's left, Kurt. Swipe left. Isn't it swipe right? Oh, no, it's definitely swiping right. Please don't swipe oh. left. Don't swipe left. What are you talking about? It's definitely Now I know how you feel about me, Andy. I'm heartbroken. <laughs> no, it's not the case. It's a mistake. Everyone at you, Little Ripper. Everyone at you, little ripper, swipes right when it comes to Rowan Crubbers. Uh, mate, I've got to ask the question, the question that I'm sure the fans of you, little ripper at home, are wanting to hear, and that is, have you taken Valorant over with you? Will you be playing? Will you be twitching? Um, and that world of gaming, mate, what does that mean to you? So I have taken a full setup over with me this time, uh, which has been great. It's hard to play on hotel Wi-Fi because it's an online game and you need like a fast connection and everything. But the thing with gaming, not just with gaming, but with esports in particular, the competitive side, is there's this incredible opportunity for inclusion for people with disability and even just people that see themselves as kind of outsiders and see themselves as different because for myself growing up, I felt like I couldn't participate in any team sports at school or in sports days or anything like that, because it's all high contact stuff or it's running around on fields, which I can't do because I'll fall over. And I'd get bullied by all the other kids because they wouldn't understand cerebral palsy as a disability. They just saw the clumsy kid. Whereas every young kid loves playing video games. And with this esports thing, it's got that competitive aspect so you can have teams of young kids that are at schools just playing against each other you've got that competition there but it's the ability for those kids to suddenly find common ground with their peers where before they were just seen as outsiders and weirdos now it's like oh you play rocket league i play rocket league as well and then there's that kind of connection there and you know ultimately that it's a very similar thing for me with swimming i didn't have many friends at all in school i got bullied and teased all the time and when I discovered swimming as an actual avenue and opportunity for me to compete, I found friends and people with common interests through that, and it's brought me so much happiness. And I just see this incredible potential for esports to do the same thing for young kids with disabilities. Good luck at the World Championships, and thank you for joining us at You Little Ripper. Thanks, Kurt. Thanks, Annie. How great is Rowan Carruthers, Annabelle? Isn't he, hasn't he really grown into an impressive young man? He's so mature. And it was amazing to hear how he's managed to change his mindset. You know, he used to put so much pressure on himself to perform. And he, you can see he's really matured as a swimmer, but also as a person. And how old are we? Like, I'm sure that we are so old. We are so old. What is this Tinder thing? Do we swipe, swipe, swipe it to the left or swipe, swipe it to the right? right? <laughs> we need to get our cup of tea and our glasses and check out what this Tinder is. 
Oh, you know what? What's not going to get old is this podcast. We will be updating the You Little Ripper audience on all things Paradolphins during the World Championships in Portugal, which kick off on Sunday. So keep a lookout in your feed for another episode of You Little Ripper. Now, thank you for listening today. And if you like what you heard here, there will be another episode later this week. I have to also give a big thank you to Toyota. They really back our Paralympic athletes and us here at You Little Ripper. Thanks, Toyota. And now I'm going to try and do this as well as you do, Kurt. But (laughs) You Little Ripper!